スロットドーンシュー What's up, everybody? Friday Shiro、hello. Show. Saturn Dave and Tranico. Hello, hello. How is it going? Everyone on the intranets, all the interwebs. How's it going? My name is. That's a black card blank, again. What the hell? Black card square pants. <laughs> black card、oh, square who pants. Oh, listen to Preston. Under the sea. Oh Patrick, my god. Black card. <laughs> It's just. Cannot be seen by any human being. Patrick. No. I'm gonna have to figure that whole thing out. You know, like, why does it do、just、that? I don't know. Just the entire OBS. Well, what's that? Somebody. I hear their garbage truck or something. Sorry, that's, that's my dump truck butt. Just getting、oh, okay. through here. <laughs> okay, so. Yeah, so today on Shiro Show, we are talking. We're probably going to talk a little bit more about the cancel games, maybe. I don't know. And、uh, his, uh, his. Oh, it's Derek. His He's in here. Analysis of the leaked docs. Your mic. Irima Jerry clears the air regarding SOA, his comments on the lecture. We got、uh, talking about last week's Shiro Show.、Uh, we did live with Dan Thrax and we went through all the documents.、Uh, That was great.、Uh, Editor's Corner, Driving Strikers, Gex Trilogy announced, Fantastic Pinball,、uh, Shiro Co ops with Terra, Terra Player, and Dream Pie released. Whoa, and it, it just keeps coming. Taito LD Game Collection. So there's a、LD. lot we have to talk、Let's、about on the Shiro、LD、Show this week.、Me. Also,、Shep. might I add, we didn't talk about the night story last week. We skipped it. Aw, damn.、Uh, which one? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You know what? We talked about the canceled games. We kind of ran through them. Why don't we start with the, with the nights thing、um, once, once we go through updates and stuff、Let's、like that? Let's skip it because we don't want to be mean to Dan Thrax. Shouts、so. to Pudgy Bunny, David Zaney, Tom Fun, Julian, Michael Frisch,、uh, who else? Soruko. Soruko. I can't say your last name. <laughs> Retrospectors. Hey, Dan. Soriko works. works. Okay. And everybody、uh, in the chat, please give us a thumbs up and share out the stream if you could. It would help us out greatly.、Um, how are you doing, Pat? What、Tell、have you been doing for this、always. last week? Dead on the inside as always. No.、Uh, it's been. Oh, man. How was I feel this week? It's been interesting. It's been really busy. We had like two interviews. Yes. In like the last week. So that was. Interesting. I have not slept well for like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, my, it, I've been so busy. I'm, I'm so bummed. I was supposed to do a, a, a Warhammer game with somebody on Saturday, and literally we've been planning it for the last like two week, three weeks. Yeah. But every Saturday something comes up, so I have to message her and be like, I'm sorry, I, I can't do it. I have a pod, I actually have a podcast I'm doing tomorrow morning for Spirit Hunters about Dragon Ball. So. Uh, yeah, one thing after another, and I forgot about that. We scheduled it like a month ago, and it slipped my mind. I'm like, I am so sorry. And then I have like a, and like we have a, I have a baby, uh, a baby shower I'm going to tomorrow, which I'm going to be there all day. And by all day, I mean till like three in the morning, probably. And I will not be any fit to do anything. And it's funny because we actually almost had something else scheduled on that Saturday, too, right? Yeah, we're,、uh, well, we, I, so I went ahead and booked with him for the following Saturday. So, yeah, that'll be great. And he was totally fine with it.、Um, so, that'll be great. That works. I, I think it's just really funny that everything's like coming at us like, oh my God. Yeah. Please. Please. Well, yeah. Please. And I'm asking、please. myself, I'm like, what? Where, where was all of this last year or the year before when we were busting our asses? <laughs> we're literally we were just talking about music for half the cast. I know. It's like, God, please.、Why? Well, we both got, please, we both got、uh, some pickups here. Uh, yeah. These are the 
uh, these are the 8-bit through M30s, but like in the Saturn. I like how both of ours are, are keying the same way. Yeah, right? With the one button keyed out. <laughs> they, actually, they actually moved that button on the controller. There actually is no A button. Uh, retro, uh, retro, no, not retro bit. Um, I am 8-bit doe. Uh, cancel them for moving the A button from the controller. They need to be canceled for that. No. Uh, but no, I actually been using it, and I really, really like it. Like, I don't know, maybe it's me, but the texture of the controller feels like mad sick. Like, is Compatible it just me? for Switch, Mac OS, Windows, Steam, Android, and Raspberry Pi. Uh, also works great with the uh, Blue Retro. Machine. Works great with the Saturn uh, via the Blue Retro um, adapter that you can get from Humble Bazooka. Uh, should be going live on that. So, yeah, so, um, well, you're supposed to. Uh, one of these days. Yeah, he's supposed to send you one. He probably is just super busy because he's trying to get the new ones yeah, no, actually I, out. I'm only, play, I'm only playing. I, I'm just worried it got lost in the mail and I can't find it. That would make me super depressed. I like the back. It, it feels really good, like, you know. Well, oh, okay, I thought your back had something on the back. Yeah. Well, Honestly, I, I love the texture. Like, I took it out and I touched it and I was like, I really love the feel of the texture on that. Like, yeah. is it just me, Dave? Or? It is different. Um, yeah, no, it's it's good. The plastic feels uh, quality. Um, the D-pad, the D-pad feels good. Somebody was telling me they had problems with the earlier D-pads on the M30. I don't know, yeah, feel, but this feels, feels great. It felt really nice to me. I haven't put it to like the test of like playing several 2D fighters and going really hard on it, but I probably will. And um, the, the top buttons don't feel right, like Saturn. Tom Fun says I should like the controller. Do you think I should do it, Dave? Here's here's how the top buttons kind I'm of feel. I'm gonna do it anyways. And the these buttons? Uh, no taste. Uh, lickable controller, I guess. It didn't make me vomit, so <laughs> 10 out of 10. Yeah, so uh, um, easy pairing, and uh, there's like a little guide on the back of the controller that tells you what button presses to put it into like switch mode or direct input, X input, Mac OS. So that's cool. Um, yeah, there's actually a fun fact about the controller. When you get it and you cook it up to your Saturn, you need to set it into the D-pad mode because the the D-pad's not gonna work because it's set as an analog stick. You send it to D-pad mode, I think it's it's starting up, mm -hmm. and then you need to set it in switch mode. So there's a a, man, a Manuel here that, uh, let me see, blah, 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 switch mode. Uh, when you wanna put it in switch mode, you, you, press the, you press and hold the Y and the start button to turn the controller for the first time. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, you would hit the start button and then uh, and Y, and then you hit the the start and D pad up to set it to analog mode. So that's such it because if you play it on the regular X X input mode, the A button and B button are swapped. But if you do it on the switch mode, it will set it to the uh, proper buttons. Um, I still had some issues with the aligned buttons. Maybe it's a binding thing, but like I was playing, I usually my test is Street Fighter Alpha Two. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, the buttons were kind of weird on that. Maybe that was just me. Uh, did you have any issues with the bu button binding, Dave? Or uh, No, because I took your advice before I even... Uh, I mean, I took both yours and Humble Bazooka's advice. Well, I to... did that too, but even with the Switch thing, the buttons were kind of weirded out. Oh, really? That. Okay, I didn't did you experience... Or... The only thing okay. I've played it with is Sonic Mania and uh, Shredder's Revenge. Like, I was playing it... Oh, you didn't play it on the, on the, on the Saturn, no? No, 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 no. I'm, I thought you just said Switch. The only Switch games I've no, played it with... switch mode on the Saturn, sorry. 
Okay, here, here be just just hear me out. So on the Switch, no. the only two games I tested with it were the Brawlers and where it was mm -hmm. uh, Shredder's Revenge and Sonic Mania. On the Saturn, I put it in uh, analog or I put it in digital mode, not not left stick mode. I put it like you said, and uh, it seemed to work mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. Then again, I didn't play that much uh, much stuff. I was just like testing it out cursory, and it, and it seemed to work great. So I don't know. And right now it's like flashing at me because I pressed the home Stop. button. But it's yelling at us. Anyway, it's, it's got USB-C. I like it. I like it. Um, the I've been really lucky with the the latest revision of RetroBit controllers. But again, those are 2.4 gigahertz. The ones that I got, I didn't get the Bluetooth yeah. ones. I got the 2.4 gigahertz. And um, I still need to send you. I can send you the Bluetooth one if you want. But this is I Bluetooth, like three of them. and it works great with. Uh, yeah. It's Bluetooth and it works great. Well, if you've got three of them, send me one. <laughs> yeah. I will. Okay. I will send you one. You know what? But, hold on. Hold on a second. Well, you talk. I'll get it. Okay. So this this does work great with. This works great with the humble bazooka uh, adapter on the Saturn, and I haven't noticed any issues at all. Um, and just a just a side note, the issues that I did notice in Dropout uh, previously on the on the article that I wrote. That really only has to do with the analog mode, okay? Like that's only with the analog mode, and pretty much only notice it on nights. Um, but when it comes to like the digital side, just using it like a Saturn pad, it, it's the 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 receiver works amazing. Um, uh, with uh, both with like the King Kong or uh, Wireless Pro Zen Zen Pro controller, and this in digital mode in regular digital uh, you know pad mode, it works absolutely flawless um and they're still okay, working on the analog um, mode because it's a because okay, the lied. prototype or yeah it's a demo sorry Unit. yeah i lied we only have the uh i only have this one left because oh uh, no worries we gave it gave the other two ways uh giveaways but well never mind yeah, i'll send that to you if you want huh? the genesis one uh that's yeah. okay i'm not a big fan of the six button control <laughs> you like, get uh, people I'd are gonna like not. burn me alive but i like the i like the feel of the I really like the feel of the cla the three button controller on the Genesis. Yeah. And I never really did like the 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 bean shaped like gen six button Genesis pads. So they do have M30s, uh, or that they've been selling for like the Genesis for a while. So yeah. I could I could use this for on the Genesis too. Yeah, anyway. honestly, I really enjoy this controller. Like I don't mean like eight bits good, but I I kind of prefer this a little bit more. Mm -hmm. The button binding I'm gonna work with. I'm gonna work on that. I'll see what's going on with it, but. Overall, I love the feel of it. It felt nice. It played good. So yeah, uh, highly recommended if you James want to play. James says he uh, can, he can fill in for you while you're on the pan. Uh, I mean, James, Is if you want to come in, if, if, you're, if you come into our Discord, uh, if you come into the Discord chat, feel free. You know. Uh, yeah, I think we need to unmute. Open uh, invitation. Oh, Derek's unmute. Okay, he's good. Okay, so um, yeah, that's that's updates really. I mean, uh, uh, other than all of the stuff that we've been doing this week, which we're going to talk about anyway. We had an interview with a dude from NPR. That was kind of a big deal, right? Yeah, we're going to be on All Things Considered, people. <laughs> Check us out Cheryl's on NPR. Be on all things, things Considered. considered. No, no, yeah, I mean, uh, what was it, Vincent? Uh, it was uh, what's his last name? Adventure Vincent Acovino. Um, who's, he's done a bunch of really cool articles on NPR, um, but he reached out to us to kind of get the scoop on everything that's happened with the documents and then the Arimajiri stuff and everything like that. So uh, that'll be that's going to be really interesting to see um, what kind of article he writes up. 
Um, but it was fun just doing that interview. It kind of helped uh, solidify all the all the details for us as well because I had to like make massive notes for that. Yeah, um, we also did one on Saturday. Should we talk? Uh, I think we talk about that one, right? We're talking about we're talking about with James the, and the Dan. Last, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had a we had we stayed up late, really late, so that we could do They're a cast. Roasting me like, oh, it looks like Pat's falling asleep there. <laughs> so I'm we could like, do a cast with the Sega guys, and it was fun. It was it was really fun. It was a lot of fun. I mean, those guys are excellent, both James and Dan and. Um, yeah, no, we had a, we had a blast. I mean, it was very informal, but I mean, we did go over the documents and stuff like that and talk Sega and, and stuff like that. But I mean, there were a lot of laughs and, uh, those guys are great. Uh, we'll hope, I'm hoping that we can do that more regularly, maybe once a quarter, maybe even more often than that, but basically continue Every to do week. collaborations and stuff like that, but, you know, because yeah, definitely. They're a lot of fun. I think we have a lot of good chemistry with them and I think we're on the same the same sort of, uh, I guess, I'm trying to think of the word of it. We're on the same sort of approach to how we like doing our shows. Sure. So I and think, I mean, and we, uh, we cover the same inspiration in a way. Yeah. I mean, we're both, we're both Western Sega fans. It's just they're on that side of the water and we're West. on this side. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, this, we're this side of the West. There's a lot of West sides going West side. Anyway, no, it's going to be yeah. great. Uh, believe that. So that was that was us as guests on their cast. So that'll be uh, posted, I think, a Monday from now or two Mondays from now. I forget what they said. But anyway, it'll be posted and it'll Some be lots Monday. of fun. Um, and we'll go ahead and cross post it when it happens. It'll be a Monday History Sunday. Oh, Knight disagreeing with me again. He never liked the three-button Genesis controller. <laughs> I think Knight jokingly said that he never agrees with me on anything. And that's just one more thing Knight you can add to the Knight secretly is like, he wants to beat you up. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know what to say. I, I just absolutely love the... I have big hands, and I like the, the Genesis 3-button controller. Um, so, yeah, if, if only they made it with uh, with six buttons. But I think there's a company out there that has done that, right? They've made like a, a, a three-button-shaped controller with six buttons. I, I forget. Anyway... All right, we you know what yeah. we should get right on into the news and and um, I'm gonna start by having Dan unmute and go Dan ahead and take us through this the details on this Knights mod uh, so that sure. yeah we can get caught up. Dan the man. Sure. So uh, there is a uh, modder named C uh, Cologne D. I think you pronounce his name, mm -hmm. who has uh, modded the PC version of Knights in the Dreams to increases frame rate from 30 to 60 frames per second and to uh, improve its controls. Now, this Cologne D, I guess, hadn't even played Knights at all. He had never encountered Knights until a few months ago, and I guess he fell in love with it. Um, he went back and played the original Saturn version. He's played the PC version, and that's when he realized that they felt different. They control differently, and he's not the first one to realize this. Um, the PC version is based on the PS2 kind of a remake of Nights into Dreams that only came out in Japan. And um, I, I guess they, they made some, and then they, well, then they put it out on like the Xbox 360 and the PS3 before bringing it to the PC. And so in those iterations of Nights, it's had some, uh, some improvements like uh, you know they made the graphics look a little better than the original Saturn version of course and they added widescreen that sort of thing but um i guess 
none of them have ever run at 60 frames per second like the original Saturn version does. And um, so, and I guess the analog um, mode doesn't really work well in the PC version, or not really at all. It's, it's janky. And so this Cologne D noticed that, so he started poking around with the code, trying to figure out how to make it feel more like the original Saturn version. Um, Malenko with more Wing, Wing Commander. Wing Commander is not jank. He, made, he paid me to say that it was jank last week. <laughs> now he's redacting. Okay, thanks, Malenko. Oh. Redaction. So he, yeah, you he, were saying. The light. So yeah, um, the PC version, if I remember, it, it, it when you do paraloops, it's almost like a square. Like it can't do like a an actual circle. Okay. Yeah. So as he was poking around with the code, Colondi, he um, found that it seemed to be. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm looking for his own words. He said that he noticed um, in the replay data. He found it strange that it kept updating every frame with two sets of inputs. Um, and he noticed that the amount of times the input was being checked was always a multiple of two, which he also found strange. Um, so he changed it to only update everything once, told the window to wait for less time between frames, and found that uh, not only does that make the game run at 60 frames per second, and it just kind of works, but then as he kept poking around, he he found out how to change the controls to actually work well with analog so he mm -hmm. said i think that it doesn't quite feel like the original saturn but it's much much closer mm -hmm. so i think the has, two i think the checking every two time two times has something to do with uh specifically with the 3d control pad and how it's made because uh because no. actually i was uh talking to humble bazooka about like the dropout um and he he's been talking to gaming and jinkos and uh the dude that made uh, Blue Retro, I forget, is what's the name? Pat, <laughs> help me out here. Uh, uh, the gentleman who uh, John Cena. John Jacques. Cena. Okay. Oh, J was it Jacques? Is it yeah, Darth Cloud? French. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, so, so Darth Cloud by his real name and his alias. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Derek. <laughs> I appreciate it. So he was talking about that, and you're saying that that the dropout that I'm experiencing on the analogs analog side of things with the with his humble bazooka thing that they were noticing that too that it like pulls two times and that uh it seems like it's it's designed that way specifically because of the 3d control pad um but of course like every other controller that folks are using are using completely different technology uh so that might have something to do with it dan just as technology. an insight yeah, yeah. that's that that's is interesting that's cool. That I mean, maybe this will, maybe they can mod the PS2 version and make that better too. Because I, I imagine they just yeah. when they ported the game, they took the source code and they just kind of like, you know, plunked it in there and were like, okay, well, it works, you know. So the the modder also made um, a few other put out a few other mods just in the last like week um, to other little weird errors that are in the PC version, like uh, Jackie's cape was using the prototype model, so now it, it doesn't with this mod. Mm -hmm. um, a, you have to download different ones. Um, there's a skip for the introductory cutscene, because I guess you can't skip it normally. Um, you can customize the date and time to whatever you want. So if you wanted to you know, enjoy the Christmas nights content, even though it's July, you can do that. Um, and I guess the letters B and E are upside down when you, you know, finish uh, uh, a run through uh, of a do a lap of a level and um and so uh she put out a 
fix to make them right set up. So yeah, you can download all those mods at a modding site called Game Banana. Hmm. So Game Banana has Man, I like that. Ton of, ton of, um, mods. Oh, I know Game Banana. That's where I downloaded my CS mods back in the day. Oh yeah, I know Game Banana. They are still going. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's where I got all my uh my knife mods when I want to get the knife from CS. That's so I guess for people that know Counter Strike uh, 1.6, the knife was held like this, like upwards, like a blade going up that way. It's like this, but in uh and then 1.5 used to be like this, the whole like doing mm-hmm. this sort of action. So I mod it so I can do it that way because I like the CS 1.5 knife. But anyway, sorry about that tangent. I just got nostalgic for uh, Game <laughs> Banana again. Or sorry, it was CS Banana back in the day is what it used to be. Okay. Well, oh, that's that's the Knights mod story. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, did we want to jump back into leaked game? Or sorry, uh, fi- uh, what is it? Cancel games from Canceled. that. Uh, we can. We said we we're gonna get. We kind of ran. Detail. Yeah, we kind of ran through it. We, we what we saw was lots of PC ports canceled. Um, lots of it. Since lots of PC this, ports, lots since of Japanese this, games. Yeah, Nick says it's over eighty. It's at least eighty now. He's got to update update the list on here. Oh God! Oh but, no! Yeah. Um. So anyway, what we we were talking about, like Rig Lord Saga, Terra Fantastica, could have come to the West. It's Shouldn't gonna come. Tensei. Malenko is gonna bring it to the West now. Thanks, Melanchthon. <laughs> I'm just putting the on as much Malenko. pressure as I can so that he can't back out. That's <laughs> a lot of work. Uh, Wizardry, Zork, Destruction Derby. Yeah, we. Uh, these were all the PAL games. Say, right, say what now? You didn't say Destruction Destruction Derby, right? Derby, Destruction Derby. That's right. Okay. Every so time they say it. Every Alien time Hive, it. which we think is the Star Wars demo that we got, but we're not sure. Weird name. Alien Hive might have just been like a code name, you know, because they didn't want people yeah. that. Because Star Wars is a big, you know, big deal. So maybe they just wanted to keep it secret. Uh, Sacred Pools, of course. Criticon 2, which we don't have any artwork for. Eternal Champions. Free Runner. Into the Shadows. That was more or less Into the Shadows. I guess it was on the lit. Say what? R.I.P. I'm thinking that, so since it was on this list, that's how folks have come to, to believe that it was going to be on Saturn because it, because uh, Christian Larson said that it never touched the Saturn. It was really just a PC demo, like a Windows 95 or DOS PC demo that uh, they would have ported to the Saturn, but they might have had trouble with that because it was pretty, pretty advanced. But I mean, they never even started uh, because their troubles started first. Jack Nicholas Golf, Jumper... Let me see here. I prefer Jack Nicholson golf, to be honest. I'm trying. I can't I'm trying to pick up from where we left off, and I think we had already done we were, all this. The Japanese games. We, road did racing. We cover those? Yeah, we talked about road racing uh, because that was like supposed to. That was mentioned a lot in the uh, Netlink mm-hmm. stuff. You know, they wanted it to be kind of like a head-to-head Netlink racing game. But um, again, head-to-head. All we have is this screen right here that showed up in like a what is it? A demo uh, disc, like a video real and it was just like titles at the very end of things that are coming uh sonic extreme of course never came speed freak u.s gold probably better than it didn't come (laughs) yeah u.s gold is uh mm -mm, no you can you can dip a turd in gold but that doesn't uh make it make make it american make it not a turd uh (laughs) supercross acclaim squid acclaim uh mutant chronicles the tick uh, let's see, triple play, 
96. So these are screens of games that came to Genesis, I guess, and we're maybe going to get ports to Saturn. Vector maybe Man be even 3. New titles. Like, you yeah. know how, uh, how the Pebble Beach from Genesis to Saturn got a, a, a facelift? Maybe it's one of those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Vector Man, RIP. Man. 8-Bit SNK Boy says, Destruction Derby. <laughs> Derby. <Derby. laughs> I've heard Darby, D-A-R-B-Y. Yeah. Let's see. Shenmue, Saturn Shenmue. Shenmue. We'll be talking about that one until we're dead, unless, uh, unless something comes to light. Um, I, it's out there. I, I guarantee. I like, I like the according to the sources close to pandemonium. That's funny. According to sources close. Yeah. I I, I know that's funny. He told us about that as well. Yeah. Virtual Cop Three, Virtual Fighter Three, Three uh, via expansion peripheral. And so, and then, so and then Virtual On Ontario Tangram. Tangram on Ontario Canada. Ontario Canada or Oratorio. Yeah, or for some reason it looks like Ontario. That's why I always called it. I know, right? Um, Werewolf. It's, it's the Canadian version. Mysterious code names: Absolute Doom, uh, Good Times Interactive. What's that thing supposed remix. to be in the chat with David Zane? Is, is that DVD or or I can't even read Pimp. it. P. Pimp. Oh, Pimp. Oh, okay. Sorry, my eyes are kind of messed up. I need the eye doctor. Uh, let's see, uh, Daytona Remix, I think it would be Day Championship Circuit Edition, I think, but, you know, that's what we speculate. CCE. Soccer, just soccer. <laughs> uh, let's see, The Show, Virgin Interactive, our best guess, some kind of baseball game, Grand Slam. Derby. Virtual Fighter 2 Remix, I don't know. I, I kind of think Fighters Mega Mix makes the most sense, but maybe. Yeah, it's probably what it was supposed to be. WWF 5, Acclaim. W, it might be WWF in your house. And then uh, Umemi 3. WWF 5 stands for the amount of money that uh, the WWF had back in the day. A whole $5. Umemi 3 would be uh, the Umemi Yakata no uh, Tobira, <laughs> whatever. Umemi Mansion. Umemi Mystery Mansion. Um, you need to play that one. It's, uh, it's okay. It's a walk-in Get sim. translated. No, no, you can play it. It's Man Mansion of Hidden Souls on the Saturn. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, the, oh, this would be Umemi 3, which I don't think we ever... Is there... No. Is that supposed to be Turico? To... No, no, no. Tor... So... Wait, the third game in the series release is Torico. How is that the third game in this... Oh, okay, yeah, it is Torico. If we're counting the Sega CD, which is the first... And then we're counting Miss Mansion of Hidden Souls, which is the second. Yeah, this would be Torico. Yeah, uh, I figured it would be because, like, if you're counting the the Sega CD one, I thought that's what they meant because technically the no third publisher one, but, listed. Know. So, well, Atlas ended up publishing it in as yeah. Lunacy in North America. Um, okay, so yeah, a bunch of other canceled PC. These are the this is the wrap up. Anyway, appreciate uh, appreciate Nick doing this write up, and yeah, I mean, he found these are all the named games. Some had more descri description and then some were just like literally a word and but it was in the document so um sega made a lot of soa made a lot of assumptions though it seemed it seemed like they made a lot of assumptions about certain games that were gonna just uh be remixed or be released altogether <laughs> like that they'll just they'll make this game right <laughs> we're sure of it sega of japan will sure. make it and give it to us and so uh, shadows is definitely coming out exactly <laughs> Uh, so Panda, I'm not going to go way into this, but, um, 
Dan go watch did, the stream. Yeah, go watch the stream. It's, if you have three hours to spare and you really want a granular page by page, because it's page by page. Okay. So if you if you're interested in these documents and you've listened to like the Reader's Digest versions and you want like a more granular view of everything, uh, but you don't like reading, I mean, just watch his stream and he'll take you through it, and you can just take notes like you're in college. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, Panda did a great uh, stream. It, there was a kind of an ASMR quality to it, you know, because he, he was drinking his tea and, and flipping pages. Um, mm, then Into the Shadows got canceled. So definitely check out Panda's stream if you're interested in deep diving this document. Um, kind of that out of dude. order here, because uh, then Friday hit and we did... Shiro Show. So last Friday we did Shiro yeah, Show. That, that's just the thing for Shiro Show. This that's is fun. just okay. So yeah, if you missed last Friday Shiro Show and you want to listen to it on your way to work or whatever, it's up uh, uploaded. Pat and I and Dantrax went through the documents, kind of talked yeah, about I made, our big I made it takeaways. Really deceptive. I made it deceptive. I mean, it seemed like it was a whole thing of us reading it live, but we just went through a bunch of news articles. But technically, we did. So I guess yeah, we we just double dipped on that. Right, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with misrepresentation in the, in the entertainment industry. I mean, just ask all the, uh, all the actors in Hollywood that are striking right now how used to they are for that. So, yeah, these are kind of out of order. I mean, uh, granted, we published uh, Editor's Corner on Tuesday, but actually, we recorded it over the weekend before we found out about the Arima Jiri stuff. So Nick and I sat down uh, for a little over an hour. Um, Actually, the morning after we recorded with the Sega guys, so I was completely burnt. But uh, we we talked about the document. We talked about uh, Nick's big takeaways. Um, it's really good. It's a good... So, like, if you have, like, an hour and a half and you just want to know the basics about the, the document leak, we pretty much went through everything. And uh, Go through it. It's, it's kind of like a, read, a listener's digest, if you will, um, on editor, the latest editor's corner. And then, of course, when I got to work on Monday, this hit. And, uh, wow, like, I, I want to know, I kind of want to ask Dan, like, so I haven't heard anything from you, Dan. Well, no, that's right. You, you did kind of, like, you did kind of comment on it in the website discussion, right? But I wanted to know, Dan, what, what were your thoughts on the whole Irimajiri lecture translation? Uh, well, I, uh, so I guess kind of uh, tangentially related, I, I think it's interesting that this got translated um, at this time uh, by MD Shock, mm -hmm. and I wonder if he intentionally like saw all these documents leaking and then thought, "Hey, I know that uh, the former Sega president Ira Majiri did a lecture last year. I wonder what he said. I should go back and translate it." And then went ahead and did this. I don't know if that's the case. It, the timing is strange, but but I mean, yeah. good motivation. He does give good. Um, extra insight here because of course Irimajiri took over for Sega just four months, three or four three or four months after all these documents um that leaked out were made. Mm -hmm. He took over in July of nineteen ninety six. Um along with Bernie Stoller. Like technically Irimajiri was on top and Bernie Stoller was just in charge of product development. I was like the mm -hmm. vice president right under him. Right. Um but yeah so I mean he he says uh you know, he gives some interesting insight on how, um, you know, the, the Saturn was initially being developed. 
um, that uh, the just like kind of we knew we are sort of knew before that like the 3D wasn't a last minute addition. They always were planning on doing 3D. Right. Um, just with about a year before they actually went to market, they added the second uh, CPU, the um, second SH2 processor. Mm -hmm. um, when they saw what the PlayStation's um, specs are going to be, and they realized, oh, we're not going to be able to really keep up with that thing with what we've got, but it's too late in the game. Even though it was a whole year out, it's still too late in the game to be totally redesigning the motherboard and how it works, so they just added a second processor, which I, I wonder if that's why, you know, the two processors are fighting over the same bus to talk yeah, to the RAM, is sure. because they never yeah. designed it to, like, add more bus um, yeah. throughput. They had to yeah. just both mm -hmm. keep using bus was already you know yeah, absolutely uh, you're absolutely right and that's why uh that's why uh suzuki even went on record saying that if you were a god of a programmer you could hope to get like 1.5 times the power out of, you would never hope to actually harness both chips but you'd maybe get one one and a half times out of it yeah, just because yeah. of the bus contention <laughs> issues which because it was the bus wasn't designed for the two chips in the first place and and um, since we're talking about this, I just want to go on record again and say that for years I labored under the delusion that it was the second VDP, that it was a second VDP, or, or, or VDP-1 to be specific, because of some misinformation, because, because the most pr prominent information, or the only information that just kept getting regurgitated that was available was the information from Edge, uh, Edge and Next Generation, from all the way back in the day, they interviewed, quote-unquote, Sega employee. So we don't even know who they interviewed, but they interviewed someone internally mm -hmm. at Sega, and they reported, like, quite frankly, it that they added a second VDP, video display processor, or GPU, whatever you want to call it. We call it GPU now, but back then they basically called it video display. But um, essentially... Um, and I was talking to Knight and I was talking to Trekkies. We were looking at the, we were looking at the documentation, uh, the big fat stack of documentation that they send over to the Americans in terms of like the chipset and stuff like that. And when you look at the dates on it, when you look, when you look at the dates and then you also look at what has been added and everything, it, it's like you could extract, you could extrapolate that to mean that it was a VDP that was added. And I think that's exactly what, um, what Edge probably did back in the day because of the la because of like the difficulty in uh, things getting lost in translation or whatever. I think that they kind of made certain conclusions and made certain assumptions based on yeah. those those doc documents and the report with the Sega employee. But we have it on record from Irimajiri, from Hideki Sato, and from Hitachi themselves that it was actually a second CPU that was added. Now, I know that that's kind of semantic and it's kind of like splitting hairs. Some well, some people out there will claim that it's splitting hairs. But I mean... I wouldn't. I mean, a GPU specifically used for graphics processing, the CPU just used for, you know, it's just, generalized it's, data, you know? It's just, it's just good for us to get the information correct and, and move forward with the correct information and instead of continuing to spin uh, and, and uh, proliferate the same wrong information, you know? Especially because there's developers out there who are actually attempting to uh, harness the power of the machine and come to grips with everything that it can do. And it's just like that kind of information 
it, it, it doesn't help, you know. It, it, it I kind still of think just... my favorite misinformation is the whole, uh, oh, they bolted on 3D to it. And I'm like, what? Yeah, like that's that just, I think, I think anybody who has any kind of proximity to PCB fabrication or electronic engineering <clears throat> knows that that's just not how things work. You don't just bolt anything, any kind of CPU or IC on at the last minute and it's just expected to work. I mean, there's a lot of, there is a lot of rework. There's a lot of troubleshooting. There's a lot of debugging that goes into. Lots of barge wires. Yeah. So, I mean. Lots of barge wires. That said, that said, the, the first um, launch model of the of the saturn was quite a mess like i mean it, i think we folks who have one of those and they've tried to take it apart will notice that there's a lot more wires and there's a lot more like you got to be really careful when you're taking those apart because they're just an absolute cluster f inside and uh they did work for a you know a couple years to kind of streamline it down streamline it down to a much more economical design so that they could afford those price cuts uh, constant price cuts that were needed in order to compete with uh, with Sony, but I mean, yeah, no, the original board was just an absolute ugly mess. And uh, but anyway, that is one thing that that um, I didn't mean to interrupt Dan. I, I just and I didn't mean to completely steal the floor from you, Dan. I just meant to say, yeah, it should. We should just you know put a put a nail in this and let it die. This whole uh, uh, you know this whole. What is it? Uh, Myth. Misinform- <laughs> this misinformation, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you did you mention <laughs> did you mention the indecisive like the fact that they were kind of divided on three D? Um, no, I guess that wasn't as mind blowing to me. I think there were there are other things I haven't gotten to that are more interesting in the okay. article. So if you want to mention it real quick, I yeah, want to mention know. it because it's not okay. that it's not that big of a deal. So it's one of the first things that he says, and it's it's one of those things where it's uh, you know it's often argued that the Saturn was a two D powerhouse, or it was meant to be a two D machine, or it was meant to be a three D machine. It I wouldn't say that it was one or the other because what I think is obvious by what he's saying is that they were pretty much there were there were several people within Sega that couldn't really agree on what they wanted it to be, you know? So it was, it, you know, a lot of folks wanted to really focus on 3D where others were divided and thought that it, they should focus more on 2D. The fact is that it would, it always was able to calculate 3D polygons. Um, and even as a 3D machine, I think we all know and love the fact that the Saturn is pushing a ton of sprites and manipulating them and stretching, warping them in order to create 3D graphics. So, I mean, even at the end of the day, when it's drawing, it's doing 3D calculations, maths in the uh, in the SH2s. But I mean, it's drawing them to the screen using sprites, right? So it is a very, very powerful 2D machine. And in fact, that that VDP one can draw sprites so fast, they needed two two SH2s to be able to even do the math to to keep up. Because I don't think that those could spit out uh, 3D calculations fast enough for the VDP one, you know. Um, spitting facts, spitting it, sprites out. It is. Saturn is a very, very capable 2D machine, and even when it's doing 3D, it's just amazing that it's actually using. Especially uh, if you know what you're doing with it. I mean, blitted, blitted sprites. But anyway, so just I'll I'll move along and let you take uh, pick up. I think James is here to cause some trouble. So uh, okay, I saw Spruleon in chat a couple minutes ago say, um, uh, "It's this is why it's good to get both sides of the story," mm-hmm. and. Uh, is especially true in this next bit of uh, translated 
speech here um, about how the Saturn could have launched in the U.S. alongside Japan, but Sega of America instead on the 32X. Now, we have both sides of the story in this now. The, um, there are Americans who are supposedly in the room at CES Winter 1994 on a phone call with Sega of Japan who said, uh, yeah, Sega of Japan was worried about competing with the Jaguar. Uh, the Atari Jaguar, and mm-hmm. so wanted us to, you know, get something out that year, and so we designed on a napkin at CES the 32X, and then we, you know, got it out there by the end of the year. Now, here's um, former Sega of America president uh, Yuri Majiri saying um, that they originally wanted the Saturn to launch uh, worldwide, or at least, I guess, in North America alongside Japan. Maybe Europe would have still come a little later um, because of stock issues. But they wanted to launch it in both territories at once at the end of 1994, Mm -hmm. um, early. Uh, But Sega of America were the ones who insisted that they wanted to hold off on the Saturn by at least a year. Um, And because I guess they felt like they were just riding that Sega Genesis gravy train too much. They didn't want to get off the ride. They didn't. Um, no, I mean, yeah. If it's, yeah. it's, it's like I was saying Even on the worse. Clearly, uh, that's okay. Yeah, all Go. I was saying is that I think uh, I was saying before on the thing that I think that it was kind of I think they were trying to do a bet because I think there's nothing the console. A lot of people like are looking in hindsight, but you have to realize that it was like the second the second generation of console at that point that really was. Has has that whole uh, had that that whole history of like the this the cycle of oh go to new consoles and and like discontinue the old ones. Mm-hmm. I think Sega was trying to see if you know they keep both those going simultaneously, and it was a bet. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't good or bad if you think about it. It just was a bet, and they fell flat on it. I, I mean, think... it was a but it was a choice that they made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the Genesis. One, I think the Genesis was selling amazing until it wasn't you know what i mean like it was one of those things where um and i remember this visit i remember this vividly from back in the day that it was like things just turned a corner with 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 kids seeing stuff like daytona in the arcade uh when you saw virtual fighter virtual racing and then later daytona in the arcade it just it just kind of uh made you not really care that much about 16-bit in general anymore. You know what I mean? It wasn't just the Genesis. It was the SNES as well. Like, the, they, they scrambled to use, like, the SVP. They scrambled to create, uh, you know, pre-rendered graphics in games like Donkey Kong Country to try to kind of, like, get some some more, get a couple years more out of those consoles. But again, like even as a kid, I literally didn't care about 16 bit anymore. So I was just like looking forward. And I think that a lot of America didn't care to continue buying. You either had already bought a 16 bit console, whether it was a Genesis or an SNES or maybe a turbo graphics. But now that you knew that the, the, the new 32 bit consoles were coming, you weren't really looking at picking up a Genesis so late in its life. You know what I mean? So I think more games for, I think that's uh... what they didn't really count on is they, they maybe at the time, at that time of that meeting, things still looked okay, but it was like, they were just about to just completely fall out. And then they were going to have like a ton of stock in the warehouse and no orders because as soon as everyone learned that the Saturn was coming and that it was going to launch in Japan and that it was going to have virtual fighter 
it was just like forget it nobody wanted to invest in a a console that was already what from 1989 that would make it how many years old well at least five years old yeah it's it's fairly old in that in those terms yeah yeah so it was like that that's that's what they didn't count on maybe they just thought oh yeah we'll just continue to sell these uh successfully for another year but that's just not what happened so anyway um go ahead dan Uh, again i'm not trying to cut you off i'm just trying to like interject here and there you're you're the faces on the screen so (laughs) but i mean i appreciate because because i i you know i want to get you in on this conversation another thing that um and james you know you're free to unmute if you want and uh and no, James say, actually isn't allowed to. I've decided he's not allowed to speak on the show. <laughs> well, one thing I Absolutely just want to—I just want to say, kind of as an interjection—is that, and if we're doubting at all, uh, Irima Jiri's, you know, truthfulness uh, uh, in this, in this, you know, these comments, tr- these comments. This was not an interview. He was not being grilled. This was a business lecture for for businessmen. So there, there, there's no. Uh, the business, stakes aren't very high. I'm business. just saying the stakes aren't very high. He's just literally trying to deliver. He had no, he had no reason. Had no, sorry, Dan. Uh, I said, yeah, he had no reason to lie. Right. Uh, and or, or color the truth at all. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. again, he's just speaking to Japanese businessmen and stuff like that. You know, he probably had no idea that some some game community would come along and, tr- and translate the lecture. Like, oh, tell me all about the systems. <laughs> Look what we I want to know about what happened with the 32X. So anyway, I'm just saying like, and I realized that it, because uh, one of the things that people usually will do, the first thing they'll say is, oh, well, this is like 30 years old. They can't possibly remember correctly, right? You know? And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, considering that this was their job and they probably were in a lot of meetings and and pro you know they probably remember better than you can remember things from 30 years ago but uh especially if you're young yeah yeah, yeah. so anyway it, i i, I, I da- james has to say he came all the way here from the england let's see what's your thoughts thoughts hates well they just they just released a podcast today i believe or yesterday oh. that uh that goes over the Arimajiri lecture so that's a good one you guys should definitely listen to um but yeah, I mean, he's in uh, he's in the live stream chat, so if he's able to talk, uh, he can. Otherwise, we'll just keep plugging away. Yeah, um, so England, <laughs> England. I know I can't speak properly. Leave me alone, Trevo. Uh, so the next bit was uh, that's translated here is that um, Irmajiri said that Sega of America was forced to keep massive inventory in warehouses and lost a fortune on unsold returns. Now, I mean, this isn't mind blowing to us a week after getting all this confirmed in the documents. But what's mm-hmm. great is that all of this is confirmed in the leaked documents we just got a week ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like a good companion piece, really. Yeah, yeah. it's like an overlay. You overlay it, and it's like, wow. Then it's like really profound. <laughs> Wow, these guys really did do bad at their jobs. God damn. Well, what's interesting here is that, you know, they knew. The, mm-hmm. Japan knew, at least maybe not uh, right away as it was happening, but clearly, uh, eventually, by 1996, they did find out that they did realize that Sega of America had all this unsold stock. And of course, unsold stock is sitting in warehouses, and that costs you money because you have to mm-hmm. pay for the space in warehouses. And anything that's not that's sitting in a warehouse isn't getting sold, so that's just you're just losing money, um, hand over fist, and uh, is... that, that directly yeah. resulted in them um, in in Irimizuri stepping in 
mm-hmm. to take over Sega of America and for them to bring in Bernie Stoller from uh, from Sony. Into the wing, they like raise him on the uh, like you know like the 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 uh, like uh, Darth Vader just rise him on the pallet just as he's he's yeah. raising up and it's like fix the Saturn. Here's the uh, yeah. fix here, the books, here, not not cooking way but you know here's the <laughs> ironic the thing is the that books, but by fixing them this is how this is how tom won the west like it, it, when you think about it like nakiyama hired tom to gain the market share you know gain gain the majority market share make genesis a success tom had c- retail connections of course and the, this was like the price to play, you know, th- that that these big retailers were probably thinking like, well, you're nowhere near as big as Nintendo, um, how, you know, but you want to be as prominent as prominent as Nintendo. You want us to take a chance on you and give you the same kind of, you know, eminent um, shelf space that we give Nintendo and everything. What do we get out of it? How can how can you promise us that we're not going to lose big on this and so tom has to essentially it's almost like the crossroads like selling your soul because he basically has to write an incredibly risky deal in order to deal with them and that is you know i will promise to keep this much in overstock and i will buy back everything that you don't sell so now they've got their collateral or they've got their they've got their insurance you know uh, against sega's failure and uh in in the mean in like at the beginning, it seems fine, you know, because it's working. But the folks in Japan are like, wow, that's really risky. And we would never do things like that in Japan. You know, that's yeah, just not. I, I was, how... yeah, but OK, Tom, you, you know what you're doing. You know, I'm not going to question. Exactly. I'm not going to question your methods because they seem you, you seem to get Saudi results. And... You get results. Right. And again, and you know, yeah, you go could ahead. also argue that like, OK, the, it's risky and seems crazy to allow retailers to just, you know, force you to buy your stock back from them but uh, you could say if sega did a better job of making people want these games and these systems Mm -hmm. then they wouldn't have had as many to sell back in the first place you know yeah and the documents actually the the documents the leaked documents not just the arimajiri um lecture but the leaked documents actually refer to sell back like returns, merchandise returns. Yeah. And they also refer to markdowns. Like uh, anytime a big retailer like Toys R Us uh, puts a bunch of Panzer Dragoon Sagas in a bin for 10 bucks, they charge the consumer 10 bucks, but then they charge Sega for the difference. You know what I mean? So, so it's like that mm-hmm. way, Sega, it's better to do that. Se- yeah. So anytime you saw those like steep discounts, Sega would have to pay for part of that, but that's better than that's better than having to pay for all of it and have all the merchandise returned and and turn up in a warehouse. Instead, they could get it out to consumers, and uh, they split the tab essentially. Uh, but yeah, those like really really steep markdowns uh, for like retailers like Toys R Us and Walmart wouldn't reflect on their uh, ledger. It would it would reflect on Sega's. Uh, so, so yeah, it was, but I mean, it's, it's a, it's a compromise, uh, versus, you know, just completely returning a bunch of slabs of these things. Well, I guess, I guess if you really can quote a famous band from the nineties, uh, I guess they did it the wrong way. Oh my God. I was just listening to that song. (laughs) It's a good ass ass album. I mean, it sucks that there's the last one. It was good. Those. Okay. So yeah, they, up to what i think is probably the most uh the biggest bombshell in all of this at least from a drama perspective Hmm. and it's 
uh, the fact that, you know, the the repercussion for all of this unsold stock resulting in a, a ton of debt for sake of America was that Tom Kalinske was essentially fired. Now, the story has already uh, yeah. been. That Tom Kalinske turned in his resignation that he chose to leave Sega. And we the, right. the narrative is well, he saw the writing on the wall. Things weren't going well for Saturn. Things right. weren't going well for the Genesis. The 32X bombed. He check, saw the writing on the wall. So he yeah, so he he left to go to greener pastures. Right. It was his choice. And here's Irimajiri saying uh, directly, Tom Kalinske was asked to step down. Yeah. He didn't read structuring and works to make the company healthy yeah they literally took him out the back with the shotgun and uh you know put that old yeller yeah I, oh there goes pat yeah there goes pat sorry the okay. joke was too the joke was too explicit to be shown too on screen. explicit we played you off i mean um, uh no, so, so james is in chat he said so he you're free to speak james if you if you can is he unmuted no. hello there you are Oh, How's things, guys? Good. It's good. They're good. Yeah, no, we're just uh, going over the Arima Jiri lecture, and uh, I listened to your guys' cast. It was great, as usual. Uh, any any bits? What are, what are your most important pieces that you'd like to share from all of this? I mean, the, the bit that you're getting to just now, um, yeah. I think Dan called that the the smoking gun, or not so much the smoking gun, but the actual the gun that was used. I mean, as as you were alluding to there, you know, this story has always been that you know Tom Kalinske just got fed up with his control being taken away by Japan and decided, you know, I've had enough, I'm out of here. But to then see that Ida Majiri says that you know Tom was given a year to to resize the company and. You know, it wasn't going to plan. So he was asked to step down with Eddie Majiri taking over, mm -hmm. you know, in both Japan and America. So that that mm -hmm. was huge. I mean, that, there's been so much from these leaks and then the timing of this this translated interview, which was from October last year. Right. So the, not the interview, though. Them, not inter it wasn't a translated you know, interview. Was a, lecture. A business, yeah, a business, business lecture. lecture. Seminar. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So as you said earlier on in the stream there, it's like he had no reason to embellish anything. He's just sitting there talking to, you know, maybe like student businessmen or people wanting to learn about business. So he's got no reason to you know, to embellish anything or, or right. kind of make anything up. So, yeah. He wasn't um, answering the, questions, you know, he he was just preparing slides and, and yeah, running, was, running through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a shit yeah. talk lecture. It was like war stories, basically, like uh, talking about his time on uh, in the trenches and stuff like that. But, uh, that, you know, oh, Trekkies sent me a message, and I think it, it, that it is worth saying. When it comes to the Genesis not selling all of a sudden, like we were talking about, like the Genesis was doing amazing. We all knew that. Uh, it gained 51, arguably maybe more than that percent of the market share. But it just stopped selling um, when, you know, thir the 32-bit generation and 3D polygons hit. And it wasn't just bad games. It was all games. They had over 300,000 copies of uh, Sonic, Sonic 3 2. was 100,000. And oh, Sonic and Knuckles two. was two hundred thousand. Oh, Sonic Three was a hundred thousand, and Sonic and Knuckles was over two hundred thousand in stock. They they weren't selling, and those were phenomenal games. I mean, I bought them uh, full price from Kmart, you know. So it's like there were folks out there buying them, but they just had a ton of overstock, and and I they mean, just the reason why it's so cheap on eBay to get them nowadays. 
it's just like I feel like I feel like they reached a market saturation where it was like the folks who were gonna get it got it, or they were just diehard Nintendo fans. Um, and remember, back then you kind of chose. It's it's so easy to forget this, but you kind of chose a console and stuck with it back then. You know, it was like you were either a Nintendo kid or a Genesis kid. Nowadays, I have eight consoles right in front of me right now and then a bunch in my house you know so it's like we all own multiple consoles and it does you know you can have a playstation 5 and an xbox and a switch whatever but back then it was just a completely different time and you, you either had an snes or you had a genesis and it, it, it so exactly and we're if kids you, back then we couldn't afford getting two consoles like we can now yeah and if you had or a genesis like making a pc and a, and a ps5 <laughs> martin and sold his xbox mega drive to get an snes that's I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Xbox just... right in the trash. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, so so people either had it, the the the, the marketed resaturation, or the folks who were on the fence who might be looking at getting a new console were not going to jump into the 16-bit era when the 32-bit era was like literally already there. Granted, unaffordable as a in in the form of the 3DO for many folks, but quite affordable if you were interested in getting a Jaguar. And if you're interested in waiting just a little bit, there's also the Saturn. Now, one of the arguments that I that folks make immediately when they read this sentence about Sega of Japan wanting to launch Saturn simultaneously, which is what game companies do nowadays, you know what I mean, pretty much. But they wanted to uh, they wanted to launch the Saturn simultaneously in America and in Japan. The first thing they say is, "Oh yeah, there's no way that it would have been ready." There's no way it would have had enough games. I don't necessarily disagree. That, that statement is true, but let's just imagine that 32X never even happened. Let's imagine that when they originally came to Sega of America with the idea of the Saturn and said, this is going to be our next console. We're, gonna, we're working on it right now. We're planning on putting it out in November. That if Sega of America at that time had, had just gotten on board and said, okay, uh, what do you want us to do? You want us to hire Tiger teams? You want them to start working right now? You, uh, we'll hit the ground running. Like, imagine if they had not pushed back and said, okay, well, we want to hold on to the Genesis. Imagine if they had just gotten on board and started working hard to make it happen. They could have had, they could have had a launch. I'm not saying it would have been phenomenal, but it would have been an entire year before their competition gets there, you know? So it would have been a lot yeah. like Dreamcast. It had been a lot were- like the... Okay. Games came out for the 32X uh, in November and December of 94. Right. Those all could have been Saturn games easily. I mean, some of them were even made in Japan. They weren't like, you know, U.S. Tiger Team type productions. Exactly. And think about the limitations that they had to work with on those titles. So the 32X uses two Hitachi SH2s, but they are they have like a lower clock speed. Um, and they're, they, they can't just be like... Uh, you know, you can't just overclock them. You know, the Saturn uses faster SH2s. And imagine all of those games that they were working on for 32X would have been, had a much more room to like operate, you know, and, and work smoothly if they had that beefier hardware, you know. Um, lower clock rate and share 16 bit bus. Oh, yeah, 16 bit bus and less RAM. So, yeah, there's a lot. No, v- no VDPs or sound chips either. What were you going to say, Pat? I was going to post in the chat. Uh... Neo Zed 1964 said he traded a Snatcher in to get a PS1. 
I'm not oh just hurt my, my bones. God. Well, right. I mean, I, I traded a SNES with like Star Fox, Star Wars, Super Mario Kart. I, I had a ton of games and I traded that in to get a PS1. That was actually a pain. It was, yeah. a, it was a pain. I had to buy it all back. Like I had to get my SNES back like a Imagine trying to buy your Snatcher back though. No, that, yeah, exactly. That is painful. That's really painful. I'm sorry. That sucks. But anyway, but the, the point that yeah. I think is, is important to, to make is remember when Dreamcast came out? Now, Dreamcast, I think Pat and I were talking about this with the, the dude from uh, NPR, basically. Dreamcast did almost everything right. It, did, it was an amazing console. They did so much right, but they, they failed on two things. All of the ill will that they generated, all of the bad juju from all of the bad decisions, was, there's just nothing that the, dream, the Dreamcast it, it, yeah. couldn't possibly shoulder the burden from all of that well honestly honestly i was talking about i thought about the last couple days i think it actually was in a good place because you had like all the hype you had all the people buying it for Mm -hmm. the sports games Mm -hmm. but it just the ps2 just it dropped and you know well it wasn't even like five months later and they like discontinued the dreamcast it just was i'm just saying this it just too much in spite of all in spite of everything that came before the dreamcast it still managed to like have a really positive launch and like i say i had people coming to me who were playing it and they were like there's no it has no right to be this good like this is amazing this is a sega console i mean uh so there was that and then then there was the fact that they insisted on the giga disc format like uh i really think that was a bad decision but but still remember Remember this, the Dreamcast came out and it was uncontested for a year. And so a lot of people bought it because they were buying into the next generation a year ahead of time, right? And it was an actual good console. It wasn't like buying the Jaguar. Uh, it was like you're yeah, buying... Not, not to mention a lot of people that played fighting games bought it because, you know, they can... Well, tournaments yeah. as well because they could have, you know, their, they can have a tournament and not have to uh, lug like five different arcade machines or like 12 yeah. or how many of them in there so i definitely just like get a dreamcast i definitely think that if the saturn did come out in america a year before the playstation a lot of folks would have bought into it because they would be buying into the next generation and and they would have virtual fighter they would have missed which was at that time very recent hit on pc and uh and would have been an amazing port it was it was it was very Sorry, <laughs> it was a very serviceable port on the Saturn, uh, and even had mouse support. Although we wouldn't Honestly, get the mouse, but... at least pissed instead. Pissed. Yeah, yeah right. the one John Goodman. <laughs> I know. That. Yeah, and uh, you're throwing me off, Pat. Uh, anyway, I'm just saying these are the argument. Good. These are kind of like the hypothetical arguments. Is that it's very easy to imagine. Um, it's very easy to imagine Saturn doing much better in the West had they just launched it. And yeah, it would have had to catch up in terms of tool development tools and software. But it did that in the it did that in Japan too, you know? For for better or worse, it did that in Japan and it was able to catch up. So I don't know. Instead, what did happen though is the 32X. And unfortunately can, that's I have the I have it gated on the actual stream, but I know you can hear the garbage. I, I, truck. I hear the I hear I hear the dump truck. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Saturn costs a lot to produce. It's true, but it, they they hardly even made any money at three ninety nine. Think about it. They had to buy all of their parts from vendors. They you know Sony, and again I've said this so many times now, but Ken Kuduragi did tell Sato. He's like, Sato-san, I'm going to spend you into the ground, you know, and we, and uh, 
I'm just, you know, he's like, we're gonna, we're gonna spend you into the ground on advertising, um, and I'm gonna beat you because we can fabricate everything ourselves, and you have to buy all of your parts, um, from from vendors. So, I mean, that's true. Like, part you out, baby. As an electronics manufacturer, Sony had the upper hand. Oh, and they also had, of course, the leverage from all of their uh, other corporate arms. They they had the leverage from their retail relationships for years and stuff like that. So. Um, it isn't a mad, it, but here's the thing, just because Saturn could have ended up in second place doesn't mean it's a failure, right? You know, even if Saturn had ended up in third place, it still wouldn't have been a failure if it wasn't a distant third place, you know, like if it was just like neck and neck with Nintendo 64 or whatever, like it doesn't have to be a failure just because it's not selling as much as PlayStation. It's just that there could have been a lot more people in the West who bought Saturn, who invested in Saturn. What do you think, Pat? In terms of uh, buying Saturn? No, in terms of what makes a console a failure. You know what I mean? Like uh, like Dreamcast, do we really consider it a failure? Just because... I mean, yeah, I wouldn't consider it a failure. I mean, in that by that definition, the, the, the GameCube was a failure, and uh, yeah, the GameCube was not a failure. I mean, I slightly add as a failure, but like, like to say, like, I wouldn't say it's a failure. It just was a... It was badly timed and badly chosen, you know? It's just bad circumstances. But Who's in third place right now? Uh, probably Xbox. And does that make it a failure? Uh, depends on what fanboy you ask. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But no, I, I wouldn't say the Xbox is a failure. To be honest, though, like, my only issue with Xbox is that you could just get a PC and do the exact, play the exact amount of games. So it's like, why would you buy an Xbox? Like, maybe that's just me talking, or... I don't yeah. know why you'd want to... I feel like that's always kind of that. been the thing with Xbox. Like, ever since I can go back. Except, you know, you'd have certain titles like Halo and stuff, but Halo got released on PC too, you know? So, it's like... Yeah, but I mean, at least Halo had some time in the spotlight to be True. exclusive. Yeah. You know? I can't even keep up with all the comments. <laughs> There's, I, I, It got heated when I started talking about Xbox, uh, Xbox being a not good thing. Sorry, Dan? Should we move on to the next item? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, smoking, yeah, Tom was asked to leave. Uh, he, was, he was given a year to restructure the company into profitability, and I think one of the things that they wanted to do was to see him axe those, rela axe those relationships that were toxic, you know, the ones that were forcing them to buy back. <laughs> he was like, yeah, we can't do that anymore. We need to be a profitable company. Year went by, it didn't happen. He was asked to leave. That's the story. That's uh, that's not what that's we've heard. Morning glory. Yeah, that's not what we've heard. I would love to get Tom back to for an interview. To be honest with you, and I mean, I would go easy. I would I, I would ask these questions, but I mean, I wouldn't like try to make him feel bad about it. I would just like to. I'm gonna go for another to, Michael Jackson question. I would like him I'm to speak to some them. of these things. You know, like it would be very interesting. I I we interviewed him a while ago, and I had no idea about it. Most of this stuff, so I had no idea to ask him any of this stuff. But yeah, no, it's crazy. It's not, you know, folks have also kind of on, on Twitter there's and other social media, there's been a general kind of mood in the air of like, can we stop playing the blame game? Can we stop you know, saying that this is Sega of America's fault or Sega of Japan's fault? I think that the point is there's enough fault to go all around. You know, the company made several mistakes and I mean it, honestly it they should have let Tom go way earlier than they way earlier than they did. 
Like they shouldn't. Have, I would have let him go when they heard about that overstock thing. He should have. Honestly, Arima Jiri was brand new in the game industry. He he didn't have any experience in the game industry, and he listened to them, and he just sat down and listened to them at, at, to their passionate, uh, adamant story about how they needed to stick with Genesis. And I think the answer still should have been no. The answer is like, listen, we're making, we're designing a console. You guys need to sell it. Yeah, you know? need to put. He need to get a backbone, Belkina. You were you're yeah. doing it. I mean, it's good. There's not going to be a lot of games to launch, but I mean, we'll fix that. We have a lot of games in development, so. Uh, uh, and it's better than take the L and sell Saturns and take an L and sell thirty-two X's and then uh, dump them. Yeah, so just um, my opinion. But uh, yeah, so yeah, say guys said Saturn was a failure, but DC wasn't. That's a hot take. I would say it's a hot take. I mean, it's kind of uh, to me. It, it it seems obvious to me. It, it maybe it might just be, but I think it's kind of seems like the Dreamcast was a success because of how many people bought it, how popular it was. So are we just talking about in the West? Are we talking about in the West or are we talking about worldwide? Because obviously Saturn wasn't anywhere close to a failure in Japan. It was an amazing success. In the West, it was, it still sold. It still sold, you know, like it, it sold a lot, but the marketing was a failure for sure. The marketing failed to communicate, uh, to consumers. Um, and, uh, it failed in other ways. It failed in in terms of what it brought over, you know, because a lot of great great games stayed uh, yeah. in, in Japan, and then of course it kind of had trouble with, um, you know, the sports games and stuff like that. Would we call the entire console a failure? No, I don't think I would go that far. But um, again, it was a very. Was a it, I think I, I think it's easy to say that it was a, it was a very distant third. But yeah, if, if if you consider the fact that the Saturn was successful in Japan but failure in the West, but the Dreamcast was a success in both Japan and the, US, mm-hmm. the West, I would mm-hmm. say that's pretty indicative of a well as a of a success. Mm-hmm. I don't but think I don't think Dreamcast was a success in Japan, Pat. Was it not? I really no, I, no. I, I was thinking, it, I always seem like it sold pretty well in there. It was pretty popular. Not no. as much as Saturn, though. No. no. Saturn Saturn remains Japanese Sega fans' darling because it's sure. a console that beat Nintendo. So, no, Dreamcast was, was dismal. And it was, wasn't as bad as it was in the UK and Europe. But, you know, I think a lot of people romanticize the Dreamcast American launch because it had that biggest launch in entertainment history. But... After everybody who wanted a Dreamcast bought one at launch, and then that's whenever it fell off a cliff. I mean, that's what Peter Moore said to us as well: is that they got a lot of third-party support, and people do rightly point to all the great games that they got. But as as Peter says to us, it's like, yeah, these third parties they signed these deals, but they only signed them for like one or two games. We had nothing in the pipe for whenever we're going to E three to do shows, and we had nothing in the pipe to to show because those third-party deals had run out. There was, no, there was no second or third or fourth game to come from these studios. So eventually they had to rely on, pretty much like the Saturn did, internal first-party studios. So apart from the launch period um, yeah. in, in America, which was sensational, but Dreamcast sales in Japan aren't great at all. Yeah. Okay. The, yeah. the general, sen- uh, the general sentiment, so though. Like, I'll I- ignorance on that one. I think I think the I think the sentiment on Dreamcast was positive though. Um, like, people didn't really have anything bad to say about it. It, no. it was really just more yeah. or less PlayStation Two's coming, and you know, it was too much strong... too late, man. Yeah, sure, sure, e- exactly. Uh, again, the, you're talking about like 
it, it's one of those like inception things where you'd have to go back really far <laughs> in order to start making changes that would resonate into the Dreamcast's uh, lifetime. But it, yeah, uh, literally, uh, and it's, again, it's this be is like, all don't sell this. This go is like three two x. You know, game. yeah. I, I mean, again, it, it's it's fun to play the speculation game, but again, it goes nowhere because it, it's you know it's just a thought experiment, I guess, because. Uh, you can't really make these kind of changes now. And I mean, Sega's left in the hands of a holding company. And I think that it kind of, it, it ends up being a chip on a lot of our shoulders, you know, especially the, those of us who grew up with Sega back in their glory days, you know? Um, and I, maybe, maybe that's what fuels these kind of conversations is because we, yeah. we always just think like, we know how great this company is. We know what their potential is. We know, we know that they have the ability to be so much more than they are. But, uh, but again, it's like, you got to go back far to see like when it all started going wrong, you know? Yeah. And I guess maybe, like I said, I missed the bias for the Dreamcast and I'm just flooded by the success in America. So maybe, and I don't actually really don't know how well it did in Japan, but I figured it, I figured it did mm-hmm. really relatively decently with its marketing campaigns and stuff. So once the but, PlayStation you know. took over, once the play, once Final Fantasy came out and the PlayStation took over Saturn in Japan, then it was like that that was just it you know it the playstation it, yeah. was it it rode really really incredibly strong all the way into the ps2's release and then everyone had to have a ps2 and of course it even came with a dvd drive which made just as much of a difference in japan as it did over here um, oh yeah oh yeah it, it was it was a no brainer japan it was, it was a no brainer to get the, the ps2 yeah. Yeah. See, I could see that. Yeah, like I said, I, I guess sometimes I'll just admit, and I imagine everyone on suffers so they get a little foggy, foggy, uh, foggy memory from the Dreamcast. You know, everything fogs out. You know. Yeah. Hyper focus, hyper focus on that. So. Well, you know, anecdotally, I always say I sold a lot of Dreamcasts, and I did. Like, I I know that uh, you're saying that they sold well at launch and then didn't continue to sell well. Um, for me, it was at least one and a half. So one and three quarters of year that I was still selling Dreamcasts pretty regularly. Then when I left, uh, w- yeah, when I left uh, Sears and went to Circuit City, still selling them. But then once the PS2 came out, it was just like forget it. Then they just sat on the shelf, and 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 I, it just disgusted me that like at, with our PS2 demo, all we had was Fanta Vision for like weeks. And everybody was still buying the PS2 just because they're like, oh, well, you know, I'll play DVDs on it now. And when games start coming, you know, then... Hey, De- DM- Devil May Cry 1, dude, I I saw that demo everywhere on the PS2. It was fantastic, though. I love yeah. DMC 1. Not but, uh, DMC, the remake, the original, sorry. Yeah. But you guys did say it well, um, James, in your in your talk that Sega just didn't really see the seismic change that was going to happen in the industry or maybe they underestimated just the amount of change that was about to happen and would continue to happen Mm -hmm. for like the next half decade you know um it was just it was just an incredible amount of change um like we haven't really seen since you know um and, and and absolutely like i know it sounds cliche but i'm telling you it cannot be understated how big of a deal 3d was and how everyone had blinders on for 3d like anything else was just not not important you know 16-bit was just immediately uncool you know it wasn't like i'm not gonna go out and buy a mega drive when there's this saturn on the horizon and you know it can do virtual fighter you know um 
you know, now I kind of think that uh, the whole 2D Virtua Fighter on the Genesis is kind of cool. But I mean, back then I thought it was so stupid. Why would they even release that, you know? Because I mean, you know, who's going to buy this, you know? It's no one. No one. <laughs> Not really, actually. Um, okay, Dan has a point. We need to keep going. And uh, there's there's several different articles that we can talk about. We're including... almost out of show. We're going to need another show. No, that's okay. We got, we got, we got some time. Um, Driving Strikers officially goes on sale. We've done articles and covered this game before. What do we know, Dan? Any changes? Uh, yeah, well, it's finished. Um, last time we talked about it was when a demo for it came out back in October. And uh, now it's out. Um, you can, it's for sale. Uh, so you can buy it right now. Um, we've got a link in our story. Uh, Wave Game Studios is uh, mm -hmm. publishing for the uh, developer Reality Jump. So right now it's 20 bucks to get a physical uh, copy, a disc for your Dreamcast, and um, that comes with a digital download file that you can then throw onto an SD card if you have uh, an ODE or something, or you can play it in an emulator. Um, and if you don't want a disc, you just want to buy the digital download itself, that's 15, sorry, it's 15 pounds, rather. It's 20 pounds for the physical copy, 15 pounds for the digital download. Um, and when you get a physical edition, you can actually choose among the North American, European, and Japanese style of case. So that's kind of cool. Neat little... Yeah, they, uh, they fixed the uh, frame rate quite a, quite a bit in this game. Looking at a trailer and uh, the frame yeah, rate. Well, on the, the online one is laggy, but the and the single player one, the frame rate is pretty good. Like It's that, a lot better than when I played it. Okay, so that video is the only one that the developers have put up on their YouTube, uh, and it's from back in October when they released the demo. So there is, I don't have an updated video. I just grabbed the only one we really had. I didn't want to grab like a random YouTuber's video of themselves playing it and put it into an article. I felt like that wasn't right. So, but I mean, there are videos of people playing this game if you want to check it out. You know, the final copy, the final version of it. It just oh. came out. What was it last? Friday, I think, last week. So, uh, and it's going to be coming to Steam. It was supposed to come out on Steam last week, but uh, I got delayed by a couple of weeks. So it is now set for July 24th. Yeah, so that's 10 days from now. July 24th, it'll come out on Steam, and then they're going to also port it to Linux. And what's neat is they're, they're and we didn't know this before um, this came out, uh, there is crossplay. Online crossplay among the PC, Dreamcast, and uh, soon to be Linux versions. And there hasn't been a Dreamcast game that had crossplay with PC since, uh, you know, retail discs were coming out. And that was just Quake 3 Arena and 4x4 Evolution. As far as I know, those are the only two games. Because um, I was asking around, I'm like, hey, what games could do this? And the only ones people could come up with. For Quake 3 and 4x4 Evolution. So that's cool. It, you know, Driving Strikers here enters a ex pretty exclusive club. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. It's a really cool one. I enjoyed playing it. I think they fixed a lot of the issues that I ran into with the framing and stuff. So I'm, I'm excited to try it out. And hopefully, uh, is it only a 56K or are they going to do broadband support for it? I believe I read that. I don't think I put in the story, but uh, they do have broadband support. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go download. I'm going to go. Well, I'm going to buy it, buy it and play it. Sorry. Not download it. Yeah. I'm gonna buy it and play it. And actually, can you buy it digitally? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's 15 yeah. pounds to buy the digital copy. Ooh, I'll pick that up then. Yeah. Limited Run Games announces Gex Trilogy. 
at their recent yeah, the, the, that's uh, the, E3. The, the one L3. time I saw Gex on my timeline and I was actually happy and didn't hide it immediately. <laughs> yeah, so Gex, <laughs> the first Gex was, you know, 2D uh, platformer on Saturn. And they made a couple more, but they oh. did not come out on Saturn, sadly. Um, but anyways, that's why we're writing about this, because there was at least one Gex game on our beloved console. And Limited Run Games is going to be putting out a collection that they've called Gex Trilogy, so I guess the three mainline games. Um, not entirely sure which versions they're basing them off of, because, I mean, the original Gex was a 3DO game, and then they ported it to Saturn and PS1. And and they all had their own little differences, which you guys went over in a podcast last month, which I linked at the bottom of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Saturn version uses um, passwords, while the 3DO version will actually let you have a save file, and you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sequel, uh, Gex, Enter the Gecko, um, is different on PS1 than it is on the N64, where it's called Gex 64, and there's different levels, and mm-hmm. some of the levels are taken out. There's an exclusive level in there. Um, and then there's Game Boy Color iterations of the second and third games, which are, of course, completely different. So it's like, what all is this trilogy really going to entail? They gave us very few details. Um, they did say that it's going to come out on the Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox Series, and Steam. So pretty much every modern console. Um, all the and, consoles all the time. Yeah, and they're doing it um, using the Carbon Engine, which is their proprietary platform made by a YouTuber, um, Modern Vintage Gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, he Never heard of him. Set up, yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, and he, he is, uh, he's got this Carbon Engine able to, um, I guess, make retro games uh, run easily on modern platforms. I don't know how they can just, like, have it, you know, do that stated mission um, for all these different retro consoles. Because, I mean, a Saturn is vastly different from a PS1 and from a Genesis and a 3DO. They're all different. Like, how do, how do you just apply the carbon engine to all of them? I don't know. It's magic. They say it does. So Well, it's tail time. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Gex fan. So um, I'm not, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, like, I like I'm, the first really two games. I'm really good at Gex, personally. Yeah. That's crazy uh, for Gex. I'm a Gex god. You know, uh, there, were, there were enough Gexual innuendos in that podcast. We don't need them bleeding into the show. bleeding into the show. I guess you could say, quoting uh, Justin Ventura, I'm a Gexual animal. Uh, Real yeah. briefly, uh, so uh, Fantastic Pinball Q Tenkai is uh, the uh, best of Saturn that we're talking about this week. Developed by Technosoft and released in Japan, summer of 95. Uh, this is an anime-based anime pinball adventure that uh, you select three heroes of Flipperland and play pinball to prevent the resurrection of the Demon King. Um, now, this one was a surprise for me. I was surprised that you didn't like it as much as I thought you would. Because I figured that because yeah. it, it was Animu that you would just be all over it. But you, you, were, you actually liked some of the more Western pinball games more. Or what was it? Yeah, well, no. obviously, you like Last Gladiators. Everybody likes that one. But uh, the Kaze pinball games. But what was it, Pat? You just didn't like the way it feel, feels? The thing or... is that I came off the heels of, like, you know, the, 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 uh, 
the gladiators pinballs and the other pinball stuff of necronomicon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was just so good like it like it felt really good and honestly those yeah. are my some of my favorite pinball games and and i'm a big pinball aficionado like game wise i love pokemon pinball it's one of my yeah. favorite uh honestly it's one of my favorite game boy games period this is more like Sonic Spinball. You know, it's like the there's like yeah, if, top just screen, really middle floaty. screen, bottom it too, screen. It felt too floaty. Yeah, it's definitely not about the physics of pinball. It's more just about like um, yeah. all of the power ups and stuff like that. You've got heaven, earth, and hell, um, and essentially uh, scantily clad angels. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you know, you know what you're getting into. It's it's actually I recommend it. I mean, I recommend folks check it out because it's not bad. And the artwork is cool. Um, it's not the best pinball game on the Saturn, but if if you're really into, uh, you know, the artwork and the Japanese flavor, uh, definitely check it out. I think that it's it's decent. It, again, it's like Sonic it's Spinball. One. So if you played Sonic Spinball, you kind of know what to expect. Yeah, it's 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 no uh, it's no Devil Devil Crush though, to be honest. Oh yeah, fair. No, Devil's Crush is amazing. Um, Shiro co-ops with new Terra player. I'll make this quick. Basically, we're you can find us now on Terra Player, uh, which is terraplayer.com. I think if yeah, you just right. click on that, it takes you to terraplayer.com, and you can see that uh, it's this new service, basically curation of video game related podcasts. At this time, it seems like very heavily Sega uh, video game related podcasts. A you, little bit um, of bias there. Everything and I I'm totally fine with that bias. These are all the channels. Uh, you got Shiro Media Group there, and of course, uh, when you click through, you can see um, what shows recent recent uploads, and then shows. Uh, little thumb thumbnails, we which will take fix the you thumbnails for us. Yeah, so they we were can... actually able to fix the thumbnails and get all of the artwork porting over correct correctly. But yeah, so folks can find. Uh, can find us there and then they can also find a bunch of other like I'm just gonna click on shows and show you everything that's here Radio Sega Area X you've got Chaos Control Center Club Sega Dreamcast Years Uh, gosh Journey into Dreams Fights into Streams (laughs) Forever Sonic's Random Hour like look at all the shows that they have on here Sega Guys is on here of course I haven't gotten to that Night Train is great for like relaxed music uh vinyl record there's one that's vinyl- long, oh, yeah, the, play long play dance, dance. um but yeah no there's like the radio sega stuff the pick and mix and the uh pop them up, up is another uh is another organization radio redux gosh there's a lot of good stuff here uh sega addicts of course if you listen to them they're good um who are these guys shiro shiro how do you say that get them out of here get them out of here um Sort the of shit, Sega, the, the, the shit Shiro shit show. Sort of Sega, the Cyber Razor Cut. Uh, you got the Dreamcast Hour, Dreamcast Junkyard, Dream Pod. Excellent Great podcast. Hidden when you get on that one. Uh, yeah, no, a bunch of cool stuff. Oh, there they are, the Sega guys, Shenmue Dojo show. Lots of great stuff. The Titan cast. So, I mean, and they're they're planning on adding more. This uh, this service is planning on adding more. So that's great. I mean, you know, it'll get get it out into more people's hands. Also, I've been relying on Pocket Casts for all of my video game stuff, and it doesn't work very well. <laughs> like, and this looks. I've been trying this, even the web app. Um, 
it works really well and it's a great way to like have all that stuff at your fingertips when they do finally do an app they did say that they're going to do like a android and ios app uh that'll be awesome because then i'll just download that and exactly have, have, have all, all these stuff, things stuff. at my fingertips so yeah uh it right now it works on uh pc mac uh, phone, tablet, Alexa. It even works on Alexa. It's like a skill. You can say, uh, "Play Alexa, play Terra Play or whatever." And then I wonder if I can do that. Let's yeah. see. Hey Siri, should be able to. It's not oh, Siri, it's Alexa. <laughs> hey Siri, I want to see if it works. Siri, it's play a... Terra Player. See if it works. Oh no! Oh, what do you want to listen to this on? Uh, let's listen to it on. Uh, I, it doesn't work. Yeah, no, it doesn't we'll work. We'll get that sorted out. I was hoping that it would be able to work. PC Wizard uh, announced uh, DreamPy 1.8 DLE, um, and this is mainly in preparation for the upcoming revival of the Capcom KDDI games and Daytona USA, which will be required to play these games online once the servers for them go live. In addition to support for Netlink and X-Band games, has been added as well, thanks to uh, Sega RPG Fan for that. Um, new Thank features you, and improvements. Much love. Added tunneling software by Sega RPG. Allows support for Cap, um, both for Capcom's KDDI games as well as the Sega Saturn Netlink games and expand uh, more details here. And he even links to our uh, website for playing your Saturn online. Um, shouts to Joe, Sega RPG fan, for everything. We love you, man. And then uh, added IP fix by Shuo. Shuoma, Shuoma, uh, which will be required for playing Daytona USA online. Added Shuoma's DC Gmail installer with the root, which removes step one from the setup process. Uh, added BBA mode software by Scrivani, which allows you to use your Pi as a Wi-Fi bridge for the broadband adapter and show up on the Dreamcast now. Uh, this is disabled by default, but can be enabled by using the .bba mode .sh. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Add a backup DNS server in case the main one goes down. Wi-Fi is now enabled by default, which allows for heads uh, head allows for headless Wi-Fi setup. Okay, and Raspbian build has been updated to Buster. Which you know, I really should get a Dream Pi going. I have an extra Raspberry Pi three laying around. Maybe I should just yeah. you know. Send it to me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. If you're not going to use it, send it to me. Uh, no, but seriously, you should. Definitely. Uh, which will allow for better compatibility with Pi 4s and later. So that's good. Huge thanks to Sega RPG fans, Shuoma, Scrivani for their contributions, of course, to Kazade for developing DreamPi in the first place. Um, there's download links. Cool. Uh, Trevo, uh, they actually have a, a, dual, uh, a dual one now, so it shouldn't matter for the, the the Fenrir. So you just pick up the, the, the Fenrir Duo or whatever it's called. And it'll give and if you have a twenty one pin it'll fit. If you have a twenty pin it'll fit so Who is this guy? After Trainoco. I don't know. Can you ban Who him from our site? I don't like his articles. Ban him okay, well he wrote some crap on our site about three laserdisc classic games getting no. Tell us all about this Pat. What's what is this? Because I haven't even read so, this yet. So So what's up? uh Taito, this came out of the blue. So they announced uh, three. Uh, it's the, the collection is called Taito LD Games Collection. So with this, um, LD stands for laser disc. And if you don't know what laser disc is, um, uh, it's a giant disc 
Uh, okay, so actually, let's start from being. If you don't know what Laser Disc is, one, Google it. Um, two, you should probably know what it is. But if you watch this, but three, uh, if you don't know what it is, short story. It's a giant disc that says a vinyl record that stores information on there, uh, in an analog format. So this is analog, even though it uses a laser. It's a weird thing. It's a whole thing. I don't want to get into. It's all pits and stuff. But it's basically a precursor to CD or whatever. But uh, yeah. Anyways, um. They uh, and their kids actually had laser games. So if you ever play Dragon's Lair, uh, Cliffhanger, aka Loop on the Third Arcade game, um, uh, was it Mad Dogs, the one with the gun, the Western one, mm-hmm. or like the other other like uh, laser uh, like uh, FMV games, Dragon's Lair, yeah, Dragon's Lair, yeah, yeah, one and two, um, Space, Space Ace, Space Ace, yeah. Uh, and you just name it, and Baby Buster uses a laser disc player that's shoved into there, and it plays it off a disc. And uh, one of the issues with all those players is that they die over time because these things are old technology, and they suffer from. Uh, you thought disc rot was bad on uh, CDs and Saturn games oh, and stuff, man, and yeah. all that. It is bad on laser discs. Like there's literally titles that are just gone. Like, the pressing everything process the 70s, was really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty horrendous, and. Uh, a lot of these manufacturers, a lot of it was in-house at Pioneer or Sony, so a lot yeah. of these discs were really not taken care of, and a lot of them were just dying. So, uh, Three titles were released uh, by Taito that used this Time Gal, uh, Ninja Hayato, and then um, Battleship Yamoto, which is based off the anime of the same name. Um, yeah, also, they also pressed slightly differently as well. It's, yeah, two discs glued to care- together. It's a it's a messy process. It's a whole thing. I don't want to get into it too much on the show, but they list these three games. Um, you could uh, and basically they're interactive games. You and you might guys not might know Time Gal. It also was ported to uh, the Sega CD as well with an uh, English dub, an English dub on it. But all the only ones that were released in arcades officially here in the United States was Time Gal and uh, uh the uh what's the other the Battleship Yamoto. And mm-hmm. both of them were actually released unsubbed or untranslated, so it was just Japanese like dialogue. But the good thing about all these games, though, is that it doesn't require a lot of English to play. All the controls are really straightforward, and it says action button or like you know left, right, and right. action and hitting a button. So you'll uh, you'll know what to hit when time comes to play the game to do the motion. So. Um, yeah, they announced that's this collection that's remastered. Uh, I believe it's it's just a fully remastered, great gra- like better graphics. Uh, I don't know the process they're doing it, whether it be upscaling the old laserdisc or actually bringing the old cells and old uh, visuals and putting it in there. A these new are, project for the book slash team. That's funny. These games are kind of like the precursor to like quick time events, wouldn't you say? Pretty much, it's like quick time fast. events. The game. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, exactly. So cool. Yeah. So but yeah, you- it's it's a. Pr- Huh? I know you're a huge Laserdisc fan, right? Yeah, a little bit. I have a few of them. You have a few of them, so Couple this is good. you're going to be picking this up? Uh, that's the thing, though, is that they did announce, uh, because originally it was set for Japan. Uh, that's all they released, uh, announced it is. But uh, later on, they actually announced that it was becoming internationally. But my thing is uh, there's there's a lot of ifs in this collection, because is it just going to be a straight, oh, we Englishize the menu, and then the rest of the game's untranslated? Are they going to add the dub for uh, Time Gal in there from the Sega CD? Like, there's a lot of questions that are uh, that remain unanswered about it. So hopefully, we'll hear about it. But they title did announce that it was going to be internationally released. Um, there's no release date yet for it. Uh, the 
right now it's uh, set for December of 2023 for the Japanese release, where you can actually get a regular edition and special edition, where the special edition comes with not only a bunch of bonuses like uh, reprinting standees, reprinted posters and pamphlets, it actually comes with a whole, a whole new game called uh, Time Gallery Birth. Which is probably the first game in probably oh thir- almost thirty years that it released, and it's going to be a prequel, not a prequel. It's going to be an epilogue to Time Gal in some aspect. So uh, whether that's going to be released in the United States as well as very or the West is very unknown. I hope it does because I'd love to play more Time Gal, and I think it's a really fun game. I like mm-hmm. it. Like mm-hmm. I would ha- highly recommend that you uh, you play it if you don't. Yeah, like uh, I have I have it on uh, what. Uh... The uh, Mega SD, like on the Sega CD, but it, yeah. this is this is superior. I mean, this is like the legit way to experience it. The original uh, Laserdisc rips, you know. Yeah, because the other the 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 CD one's heavily compressed. Heavily, heavily and by compressed. Heavily, I mean yeah. heavily, heavily compressed. And this is yes. going to be what was released in arcades in ja- Japan and the United States as well. So it's going to be very. Right. Very uh, high quality. Uh, uh, hopefully they, they do a complete uh, film rip of it and just completely get the film and clean it up. So that'd mm-hmm. be a lot of fun. But for now, uh, there's not a lot of uh, information on it. It's a pre-plog? Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that's funny. Pre-plog. Uh, Mega LD version of the United States. I actually do not know about that. Uh, my guess is no. But uh, we can always look that up. Uh, I'll actually look it up right now. Mega LD Time Gal. Uh, it looks like it's it looks like it's a Japanese only release, to my knowledge. It's also eight hundred dollars. So uh, if anybody wants to uh, spot me some so I can play it, uh, you know, just let me know. Cool. But no, it's looking like Japan only. But uh, yeah, probably not going to be. Like I said, it's, it doesn't have, require a lot of English, so it shouldn't be too bad. Any yeah. other takeaways from the week, or are you ready to enjoy your your weekend? <laughs> I'm ready to play some dollies, I guess. Paint, play. Oh, you, you painted them. Now you're gonna play with them. Yeah, I do. I do a little bit of both. I I inter, interchange it, so you know, cool. back and forth. I yeah, think that's I about it, though. I don't think I have anything scheduled for this weekend. I'm just gonna. Because last last weekend was so brutal <laughs> with all that information. Unless, unless of course, like some new information falls out of the sky about Sega, and then we have to like kick it in high gear. <laughs> I think I'm going to take a bit of a break. We'll take it to the limit. Take, take it, it to the to limit. The limit. But yeah, uh, I think that's. I think there's. Uh, I mean, besides the thing we're doing. Oh wait, no, we're not doing that. This that's next Saturday. Sorry about that. Oh, uh, is I get it? my dates mixed up. Okay. I'm gonna be really busy though, but I really ho- really don't want to be. Okay. I don't want to be busy. I want to have a good time. Well, uh, okay. So let's uh, let's check out the uh, Patreones. Patreons. The pa- Patreones. 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 Alright. Uh, shout out to uh, Murder of Crows, Emerald Nova, Johannes Fetz, Nate Lawrence, Blue Moon ninety five, Cerulean, uh, Derek Fredrickson. David Zaney, Derek, a.k.a. A-Team, Fat Drunk Friend Otaku, Jim Clasherank, Justin, Momphis, Normal Guy, Nutrageous, Robert Ramsey, Roan Dished, Seg Steve, Stoneman, Tanuki Trev, Theron Brown, and Young Money Sawee. If you'd like to get a shout-out on the show, you can back us at the $10 and up level. And uh, for $3, you can get a bunch of bonuses like uh, early access to uh, podcasts. 
get uh, the early access to the uh, net links when we do that eventually. Uh, the magazine, uh, $1 and up, you get the magazine. Um, is, you get featured in the magazine, get your name on there, so there's a little bit of bonuses with that. Uh, yeah, and like if you don't want to support us financially, uh, or sorry, um, consistently, you can buy like a merch. I know Dave's been working on a merch project, right, Dave? I've been working on a Teespring shop that we can plug into the YouTube because that'll be much more convenient for folks than having to click over to Threadless and do all Did that. Do they allow so. us to implement that yet? I always thought there was like a threshold for that that we needed. Well, I thought we reached it, but maybe I, I not. No I don't idea. know. Yeah, I thought we had reached it, but um, but either way, I'm getting it set up so that it's ready to go whenever that whenever that happens. Um, I've got some new design shirt designs that I'm getting that I'm going to be getting up on both Threadless and Ooh. Teespring. So. Um, I'll make sure to buy one of them. Yeah, um, you guys can donate to us just one time uh, through the website, or you can just uh, not donate it to us, but you can join the Discord and just be a part of our community, have fun chatting with other people about all of this Sega history and stuff like that. <laughs> that... And trust us, we don't ignore you or anything. We, we'll, we'll still talk to you even if you're not a patron. Oh, absolutely. So don't worry. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, like, uh, yes, we do have, like, an insider chat, uh, and that is one of the benefits of, uh, uh, and we do drop, uh, we kind of use that insider chat the same way we would the patron uh, dash, you know, feed. Uh, we'll always drop new links to content in that insider chat for folks to check out. Um, we do have some insider conversation, but um, all that said, I mean, uh, we're in general and in the Saturn channel and everything else uh, almost daily. So you can definitely reach out to us and, and talk to us and talk to a bunch of other folks that's what it's all about is uh building a community of saturn fans and 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 dreamcast and you know genesis 32x no genesis <laughs> no genesis fans no uh no we yeah, we're all pretty much encompassing of sega so yeah love that you can also check out the sega guys just released a a discord as well if you guys want to go over there and you know they did they did yeah uh just today i think yeah so that's awesome uh, join the Sega Guys Discord and uh, also check out their podcast. Their their YouTube channel is growing steadily and they're pre- uh, continuing to provide a lot of great content, uh, which we hold ho- wholeheartedly uh, want to help uh, plug and promote. Uh, we love those guys. I'm looking forward to doing some more crossovers with them. Um, and yeah, no, in the meantime, just uh, Saturn Dave and Tranico reminding you guys that you must play your Sega Saturn. You must. I put, I put the chat to the score in there. You can click on that. You must play your Sega Saturns. If you don't, Sagato will come and do something. That's right. Sega's and gal, Sega's. Uh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if that's funnier to me than it should be. Um, but yeah, so I'm tired and um, about to just call it a, a week. I'm going to go play my dollies. All right. Have fun, Pat. Have fun, everybody. Oh, peace. Catch you next week. See you. Uh, see, is it? Who else is in here? Dan. Bye, Dan. Anthony. You got, uh, yeah. Thanks for everything, and we'll see you later.